Hello, you are listening to a podcast by BNP Paribas Wealth Management. My name is Charlotte de Capoisson, your host on this show today. Edmund Shing, Global CIO of BNP Paribas Wealth Management, is my guest on this podcast. Hello, Edmund. Hello, Charlotte. Edmund, investors are lost at the moment. They don't know what to think. There are lots of things to worry about, such as global inflation, which is soaring to levels not seen since the 1970s and 80s. Consumers are feeling the pinch in their purchasing power, particularly when buying food and paying energy bills. On top of all that, the word recession is on people's minds, especially as China's economy is slowing down. Interest rates are starting to rise and the conflict in Ukraine is waging. Meanwhile, in the financial world, equity markets have lost 13% year to date, making this year the fifth worst year for stock investors for the, the January to May period and also for bond investors at the same time. Many investors do not know whether to turn to the left or to the right. They are nervous about what might lie around the corner. One stock market sentiment survey in the US has hit a 28-year low and business and consumer sentiment figures are at very depressed levels. So the picture, as I see it, resembles thorns, not roses. But Edmund Shing, you are more optimistic, aren't you? Quite so, Charlotte. So let's start with the big question. Is a global recession looming? Well, look, there's always a recession. So it's not a question of if, but when. The only question is, is there one coming soon? I would argue that the chances are not. Why? Because we had one, don't forget, in early 2020. Normally, the economic cycle is, let's say, around about seven, eight years, if not longer. So it's already a bit early to be having a recession. Of course, there are exceptional circumstances which have, I think, raised the risk of recession this time around, particularly in Europe. And this uh, this is obviously, to some degree, centered around the Russia-Ukraine conflict, the resulting impact that this has had on soaring food and energy prices, which is putting a lot of pressure on growth, particularly in Europe, but also in the US as well. We can add to this, of course, some of the after effects of lockdowns, which have also led, in particularly in the US, to sharply rising wages and salaries, which has prompted the central banks, particularly the Federal Reserve in the US, to start to increase interest rates, which again has the effect over time of slowing growth. But in our estimation, we think the likelihood is that we will see, yes, periods of slowing growth in the US, Europe and China, but that we will avoid recession in all of these regions over the next one to two years. Hold on. What about recession indicators? Are they not all flashing red? Well, no, that's the interesting thing, Charlotte. If we look at two classic indicators that tend to dip before a recession in the US, the first being housing starts, as in how many new houses and flats do you start to build? And secondly, temporary service employment. Again, how many people are being hired on a temporary basis in the service sector? Both of these indicators usually start to fall well before an official recession starts. This time around, at the moment, they're both going up. So absolutely not flashing red, but actually suggesting that growth can continue. And even if we look at the latest ISM manufacturing survey in the States, again, this is a gauge of manufacturing activity, this actually went up to 56. And the 50 is the break even between growing and contracting. So not only is the manufacturing sector still growing in the US, but it's actually starting to accelerate, which I was quite surprised at. 
But overall, it does suggest that, at least in the US, there does not seem to be a recession looming at present. Let's talk about inflation and inflation expectations. Are things going to get worse or has inflation already peaked? It's a bit early to be definitive. But I suspect, looking at the latest data points that we have available, that inflation probably has already peaked in the US. There are indications of several components actually starting to come down. Things like used car prices are already decelerating quite rapidly after having shot up through the latter half of 2021. So it does suggest that the inflation pressures are starting to ease, albeit from a high level. In Europe, it might take a little bit longer because the energy prices are a bigger influence here than in the even than in the US. And because of the need of the European Union to try to halt or at least reduce imports of Russian gas and oil as quickly as possible, that is maybe delaying the peak of inflation. But even in Europe, the peak in inflation rates should be seen very soon. And what is the result of this high inflation, Edmund? Well, there are two impacts. The results of high inflation is that interest rates go up. The results of interest rates going up is that financing becomes more expensive. So if you want to borrow money, you borrow at higher rates, it's more expensive. So you think twice about it. So that's true both for companies. If they want to borrow, for instance, to invest, they might think twice about it now because that borrowing is going to cost them more. And of course, true also for households, that uh, domestic consumption, which is largely done, or which is done to some degree on credit, is going to slow. It was going to slow anyway because of the high, the impact of high energy and food prices. But higher interest rates add to that because, again, it makes households less willing to borrow money to spend. So if we look at the big picture, what positive factors do you see for the economy and, by extension, the financial markets? I mean, are there any drivers left? There are loads of drivers left. I think, firstly, we should point out that the starting point in many ways is still strong. So employment in, in the US and Europe is incredibly, at incredibly high levels. In fact, in the US, they're so high now that there are actually two job vacancies for every one unemployed person, which is quite incredible. It's pretty much never been seen before. In Europe, permanent contract employment, particularly in countries like France, is at a high not seen for well over 30 years. So pretty much since we've had the data available to look at. So I would say more people are in a job earning money today than pretty much any at any point in recent history. Secondly, balance sheets are pretty strong. So a lot of the saving that had been done both by companies and by households, particularly over COVID lockdown periods of 2020, the money's still there, particularly in Europe. You have that stock of excess saving built up, which has not really been spent. And so companies and households really enter this period with a very strong balance sheet and therefore yeah it's pretty solid backbone and let's not forget that the stock and bond markets and property markets were all very strong in the latter half of 2020 and all through 2021 so there has been a sort of built up a wealth effect in particular for households their finances are stronger because their investments up until the beginning of this year had actually had a very very strong period and done very very well this environment is very difficult for investors to navigate so what investments do you recommend? Well, there are a number. I mean, I would actually start by saying, well, think about obvious things like the circular economy. What is the circular economy? Well, it's the idea of better design, repairing goods more, recycling more and reusing stuff. So the idea really is to cut our impact on the economy and importantly to cut our impact in terms of the need for virgin raw materials, 
and therefore to reuse, modify and repair wherever possible to make goods and products last longer before they need replacing. That would also, of course, cut our carbon footprint. That's the essence of the circular economy. And in this sense, when you have high inflation and high prices, this works both in favor of the consumer because they save money. And of course, it helps the environment if you adopt more of the circular economy. Because if you are, for instance, buying secondhand clothes, repairing goods more like phones, don't keep changing your mobile phone every two years, but maybe repair it, replace components and make it last a bit longer. You're doing better for the environment overall. You're consuming more recycled materials and just making things last longer. So that's one point. Other areas we like include UK equities because you have quite a high share of sectors such as commodity producers, both oil and gas and mining. In the same way, you might add Latin American equities for similar reasons. Otherwise, we would look at gold, precious metals as well, which is the one commodity which has not necessarily performed as well as the industrial metals or energies, for instance, but maybe due a catch-up period soon because they are still a very valuable diversifying asset at a time when bonds have not diversified away from stocks given how poorly they've both done at the same time so far this year. Finally, there are some opportunities in certain areas like real estate, particularly in warehousing, because there has been a bit of a dip in the short term in warehousing stocks because of comments from Amazon that perhaps they require less warehousing space in the short term. But I think the long term structural trend in favor of online shopping will continue, particularly in uh, continental Europe, where we expect to see some catch up in online shopping penetration versus the very high levels seen in the UK, US and China already. That should boost in particular warehousing demand, we think, in continental Europe. So that is an opportunity to invest in today. So overall, quite a few opportunities for investment, despite the difficult environment that clearly we have at the moment. Edmund Sheng, thank you very much for joining me today. And thank you to our audience out there listening to this podcast. If you liked our programme, please like, share and subscribe to our podcast channel on Apple Podcasts, Podcast Addict, Spotify or on any other podcast provider. Goodbye.